Okay, so here we are. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Great to see you again. How was your first international trip? Man, it was fantastic. It was it was actually really, really good. And, uh, you know, maybe that that's something that we should talk about is uh, a recap of our uh, time in uh, Romania. Sure, let's do it. Yeah. So, I mean, what an excursion. It was like an excursion of a lifetime or a trip of, uh, of a lifetime. Um, I, I'll tell you what, I really, really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun to, you know, go overseas. It was, for me, I've never taken a trip that, you know, I've been like to Mexico and I've done the Bahamas thing and Hawaii, which actually feels like you're out of the United States, but to go over to Europe was a totally different experience for me. Now, in a way I kind of wussed out because I did the whole, you know, rent a little cabin with the, re, you know, reclining seat that turns into a bed sort of deal, you know, which was nice. Uh, I think I slept seven or eight hours for part of the trip. And there's a lot of things about the international travel for somebody like myself that maybe doesn't do a lot of that or has never done that before. I, I think one of the most shocking things after I got on the plane was the route that you go. We've now proven that the world is not flat from one airline flight. Yeah, that's what I always tell people when they say flat earth. I go, just take a trip and watch the trajectory uh, that you take, which is absurd. So, yeah, let's talk about that because I traveled all over. I used to do travel blogging, actually. Cernovich.com was at one point just a travel blog. And I would write about routes I take and sky miles and little travel hacks and everything. Sure. And it was popular stuff, but you had never, you'd never traveled before. So let's talk about, you know, like mindset, philosophy. What was holding you back? Because at one point you weren't going to go to the trip. This is true. I was not. I, I was peer pressured into, into going on the trip. Yes. Bullied. More, more would be more accurate. Yeah, I was bullied, ruthlessly bullied into coming uh, to Romania, which thank God I was because it was fantastic. You know, I think for me, part of, part of the issue, you know, I'm not a 20-year-old guy. And so for me, I've always been very, as we talked about in other podcasts, I've always been very monetary, money, business focused, okay? My business never took me on international travel. So my business was always, you know, running a restaurant down the street, doing a real estate deal down the street. You know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of having your business very close to you so you can keep an eye on it. You know, whether that be my Airbnbs, whether that be my rental properties, et cetera, et cetera. So even with conferences and, you know, the summits and all those kinds of things, they would always be in Las Vegas. They'd always be in Arizona and Scottsdale, you know, maybe New York City or maybe Orlando or Miami. But always in, in the United States. And so I, I never, you know, I was never like a Swiss banker where I would travel, you know, all over the world, you know, or I never worked for Goldman Sachs as the, you know, M&A guy. So my travel was limited to inside the United States. And I got into a, a rut where I felt like if I left, then everything would fall to shit. Right. And so over the course of maybe the past year, which, again, you know, we've touched on a little bit. Over the course of the past year, I've started to embrace kind of changing my lifestyle a little bit and enjoying more of the fruits of my labor and getting out and expanding my horizons and my mind. But even this was a it was a little intimidating for me because, listen, my phone did not work in Romania. I know this is shocking for people that travel all the time. They're like, no shit, dipshit. But I have AT&T. My phone didn't work over there. If I didn't have Wi-Fi, if I didn't go get a coffee, 
I, you know, as a matter of fact, you and I were going to meet somewhere for lunch. We got lost inside an art museum. Mike and I got separated. Short story here. We got separated because, you know, we were both so enthralled with the art. We lost each other. You left. I left. Who knows? Something happened. We, we got separated. And I, you know, I, got, I walk out of the thing. I, I got no phone service. Didn't even realize this. So I've got to, like, figure out asking people, hey, where's the local Starbucks or where's the local, you know, coffee shop? So I walk down there. I get on the Internet. You say, hey, meet me at this uh, big German beer hall. Okay, yeah, I'll head that way. Well, you know, I, I got lost on the way there. I ended up talking to somebody at the bank, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so there are these weird things that I was afraid would happen. But, of course, once you get there, I'm a smart guy. You figure the shit out. It all works out in the end. Yeah, that's the number. I think that's the number one fear. So because uh, even a lot of people go, oh, I would love to travel if I could. And then they can eventually travel, but they, they never do it because there is that sort of fear. But really what people are afraid about aren't realistic. Like, yeah, you're going to get lost. I mean, you have a smartphone. You'll find, you know, you'll find an iPhone or you will. Is it dangerous? No. Most, most countries are actually safer than America. That's the number one thing I would get is, aren't you afraid? Is it dangerous? The U.S. is actually more dangerous. I mean, Colombia, there's exceptions, but most countries are much less dangerous than the U.S. But yeah, that's always when people have a nice routine, they don't want to lose that routine because it's comforting, it's nice, especially if you live a good life. But then you go out and you stretch yourself a little bit and you see things you never would have seen before. And then that folds into your current life and makes your current life even better. Right. It was a it was a remarkably rich experience to go uh, and spend time in Romania. Uh, in, we spent time in Bucharest. We spent time in Transylvania, which was it, it was fantastic. But I will say that as far as the safety issue goes, which is always kind of in it, at least was always in the back of my mind. And I'm sure it is for most American tourists when they go over to these countries, especially lesser known countries uh, such as Romania. You've traveled extensively. I mean, we were making fun of my my I, I've got a nine and a half year old passport that had no stamps in it. That's sad, actually. That's probably the saddest passport of all time. But yours is not that way, right? Have you ever been to Romania prior to uh, the trip that we took there? No, and I wanted to. When I was in Europe, I was planning on going and the timing didn't work out. That's why it was fortuitous that they wanted to do it. And it's amazing, too, when you travel. And this is, this is true. This is one of the biggest benefits, actually, of social media is you can go travel and you have local hookups. Here's where to go. Here's where the best place is. Here's the best cigars. Here's the best whatever. And you just land there and then you kind of explore as you go. And then, you know, I, I did for our spar challenge, which I did miss the last day. I thought it was funny because. Really? <laughs> I didn't know that. Whatever. And you're like, oh, yeah, you have time. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I have time. And we got back to the, the place where we we're staying. I flipped over my phone and it was 259. And I was like, okay, I. I missed day 10 of the challenge, hit all the other days. And one of the, the challenges, or rather, in meeting the challenge, and for those of you who don't know or missed it, is you had to come up with 10 ideas a day, could be big, could be small. 10, you know, 10 ways to brush your teeth or 10 ways to solve world hunger, whatever. And one of mine was uh, 10, 10 travel tips I did. And then another one was 10 positive ways or positive experiences I only had because of my friendship network. So for example, you know, I'm in Romania. I probably wouldn't have done that if it weren't for the, the, that peer group. I did ayahuasca at a farm in South Africa, 
which most people think was crazy, but I had a friend who was South African and lived there. And, you know, there's all these experiences that I had because of the peer group and the friends that I'd had. And that I think that's a lesson that you should do when you travel is you want to reflect a little bit on the situation. How did you get here? Did you enjoy it? Will you travel again? If so, where? And that's how you become a more rich, deep, full, multidimensional person. Yeah, it, it was a remarkable experience. And, and there were so many things that I noticed, you know, while traveling that that you know, I, I don't want to say blew my mind, but it, it was just, it was a different experience. And I'll, I'll, I'll touch on a few of those because some people probably think these are funny and would enjoy hearing it. First off, when I took off out of San Francisco to uh, Munich and then Munich to Bucharest, you don't go across America, okay? You fly up across Canada, across like Northern Greenland and then come down. So to me, that's interesting. You wouldn't think it's that way if you look at a map but that's the way they fly. Okay, so they fly up far north. That's interesting to me. Uh, I found that uh, getting into Bucharest, at least for myself personally, was actually quite difficult. I got stopped and questioned about why I was there. Why are you visiting? Uh, you'll notice that there's a, a huge difference between the airport, say in Munich, the airport in Zurich, and the airport in Bucharest. Uh, Romania is very much a up and coming area. It's not a it's not a third world country by any means, but it's certainly not a first world country either. And there's a lot of remnants of the Soviet era there. Uh, everything from simple light poles at the airport that are painted, you know, red and white, uh, alternating colors, uh, made out of concrete rather than metal. It's just a lot of uh, function over form. They don't, you know, back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, when the communists controlled that area and, and built this infrastructure, they certainly didn't uh, have much concern for aesthetics or how things looked, which actually I think is very interesting. But you go into downtown Bucharest or old town Bucharest and you'll see beautiful building, beautiful building, beautiful building. And then what the hell is that? You know, and there's this building that was built maybe in 1962. That's just this ugly apartment building where you can tell they tore down a, a string of structures that probably were beautiful. But somebody said, hey, we built building here and that's it. Get out. And so that that was interesting to me. There were even parts because we did a lot long walk in Old Town. There are even parts where it looked like they just pasted two buildings together. Like yes. one thing went here and then they glued on another building and you can see the seams almost like a bookcase where they had been put together architecturally. The walk through old, old Town was fantastic. And that's why I always tell people, I think um, you didn't do the first part with me because the, the hike down, but I think I did 10 and a half miles. And when I do hit a new city, I try to hit eight to 12 miles, pick a direction. And you probably did seven or eight miles with me. Yes. Town, the little twisting, winding roads. Architecturally, it's beautiful. You can see the Soviet buildings, the very kind of dead buildings, but then the older buildings, and then you turn left and there's this whole arteries and tributaries of cafes and shops, old little markets, very fun. This very Parisian, by the way. So if you travel a lot, one of the real beauties of Paris, once you get away from, you know, if you're with your girlfriend or wife, you have to take the Eiffel Tower pick. There's a place where the best Eiffel Tower pick is not in front of the Eiffel Tower. You have to go walk up a couple blocks away because then because of the perspective, it looks like you're standing right in front of the Eiffel Tower. So once you do all that dumb shit for the tourist stuff, the best part is you just walk around and you might make a left turn and you've encountered a whole new pocket of humanity 
most old cities are like that. And that's one of the beauties of walking around and traveling and getting a little bit off the beaten path. And I, I certainly felt that way when we went to the art museum and then we, I, we got lost or separated, I should say. You know, I, I just started walking around. I, you know, ended up, like I said, at the bank, at the coffee shop, et cetera. And I will tell you that never once did I feel unsafe while I was there. And, and that's one piece that you think, well, you know, this is a big city. It's, it's real congested. I would feel more safe in Bucharest than I would certainly in East St. Louis. Uh, you know, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and, you know, East St. Louis is a really tough town and, you know, one of the highest uh, murder cap murder capital, you know, the United States, and I think number 15 in the world as far as murder rate goes. I would feel more safe in Bucharest than I would there. Now, with that said, there is, you know, as Mike mentioned, we'll be walking down a street and then there's a little open way, maybe 10 feet, 15 feet at most, and you look down and there's just a string of outdoor restaurants and cafes and, uh, you know, what a wonderful place. I mean, if you're a writer or an artist, that might just be the place uh, today. I, I think it's very much an undiscovered gym. And we were, were night, you know, uh, Mike and I were there with some folks that were gracious enough to allow us to stay at their house. And so, you know, we did get a lot of the local flavor of, uh, you know, the area, everything from great restaurants to go to. And how about that cigar shop that was just filled with Cohibas? Yeah, El Unico, because when you travel, you have to find the right cigar lounges. Some places don't have them or they, you know, they sell a lot of counterfeits. And that is one of, again, many, many benefits. So knowing somebody and then also leaving room for serendipity. I bought a couple nice necklaces. I, I bought this unicorn sort of hat for Cyra. Little, little things like that. You bought some old, you know, Soviet era coins. Reprints or not, they feel real. Nestor bought a knife. You know, there's that experience. You go to the little shops and buy things. And Bucharest, yeah, in terms of, you don't hear about it much for, there's all this movement of online entrepreneurs and digital nomads. None of them bring up Bucharest, which I think is a mistake because when, when you want to go to a place in, in geo-arbitrage, you need to go to a place where the dollar is strong relative to local currency, but also that has what you want to have. And everybody thinks Thailand's cheap, Vietnam's cheap. Bucharest is cheap as long as, and here's a caveat, the number one question I get about travel is, well, is it cheap? Well, if you want a Cohiba, a Cohiba, they can sell them in Holland, the UK, Switzerland. So if you're smoking an authentic Cohiba in Romania, you're paying worldwide prices, which is quite high. Um, if you're importing wines from Napa, then obviously the wine has to get from Napa. There's a worldwide demand for it. But anything that involves labor or real estate, and those are the biggest expenses for most people, is real estate, right? So, for example, we had a wonderful dinner at that hotel. I forget the name of it. But you could live at that hotel for 2800 bucks a month. Laundry, you know, room service, maid service. Everything. It was the uh, Lido Brasserie. Yeah, Lido's Brasserie. And then the hotel was, I think, Lido's Hotel. And I looked at the room rates and I thought, wow. So, you know, obviously most people thinking about geo-arbitrage aren't thinking about a $3,000 a month rent. But that's to indicate that would cost you $15,000, $20,000 in the U.S. It's centrally located, great food, nearby all the kiosks. And then food is always less expensive too because if real estate's cheap, the cows can graze freely. The meat actually tastes better um, in, in other parts of the world because it's not factory farmed because you don't have to have that efficiency or economy of scale. So when you taste the meat, there's a certain, it just tastes cleaner, which is hard for people to understand until you've had it. 
And Romania hits all those dots. You want to have civilization. You want to have a fine cigar. You want to have a nice steak dinner. You want to, you know, people think they're going to go there and, and, you know, talk to girls. And that's where they're delusional because these are very family values oriented. So they would need to be there. And actually, even the, the people we were with were, were mentioning that even they have to go on three dates with, with, with a girl <laughs> before, you know, anything happens. And that's why there's so much, it really is undiscovered. I could see it becoming a, a hub for a lot of, if that's still a thing, I don't know how much, because most people are lying these days. I don't even know how much digital nomad is even a thing anymore. You don't hear about it that much. I feel like there's going to be another sort of rift that the, the e-course people are going to have to find. But those who are, again, you know, you know, maybe they have a certain amount of money, but not a ton of money. Once you fly there, that'll be your biggest expense. And the longer you're there, the more efficient your money is put to use. Well, if you're willing to do the economy class ticket, I found numerous uh, tickets from San Francisco, which, you know, is a major city. I'm sure it's the same. And, you know, if it was Denver, or L.A. or New York, but from San Francisco, you can it, it, with a little bit of advance notice, eight, nine hundred dollars, maybe eleven hundred dollars. Um, but somewhere in that range round trip and. Sixteen, seventeen hundred dollars for a premium economy seat. Naturally, you know, as you mentioned, you know, there's a demand for first class seats and reclining bed seats, that kind of thing, which are expensive. But uh, you know, you can get over there relatively inexpensively. Yes, the cigars are going to be the same price as they are anywhere else. I, you know, I don't know why people think that these imported goods would all of a sudden be worth less money once they're brought into a country like that. The wine is going to be the same price. But I went out to a very nice dinner one night, you know, steak dinner, all the fixings, that kind of thing, you know, maybe $40, something like that. So in one of the nicer, nicest restaurants uh, in Bucharest. So Food is relative, you know, restaurants are inexpensive because labor is inexpensive. Housing is very inexpensive there, uh, unless you're right in maybe Old Town Bucharest. But even there, you know, by U.S. coastal standards, the real estate is very inexpensive. So you can you could live there uh, and it, it'd be very affordable to live there and certainly hang out for a few months. And even even people, take you know, who are on vacation for a budget, that's the kind of thing you could save a year, a year and a half, and you could take an international trip. Um, 800 bucks a ticket, rent a car, you could drive through the mountains of Transylvania, the mountainous areas, do a couple nights in a very nice hotel. And I hear that sound too, Mike. Do you hear that? They're like, it's like a sniffling sound. A little bit, but I, I, I think it was somebody that was messing around in, in our background here. Okay. Okay. Well, that we're yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. People. So a lot of people overestimate, you know, because they go to, you think they go to Disney world, but Disney world is cheap to get to, but expensive to be at. Right. Right. Your round trip tickets, $300, but you're looking at my God, like we, when, when we, cause we live right by Disneyland, whichever one's in California. And I, I get sticker shock. I go, wait, how much is it one day? Something like $149 per person per day, unless you buy the annual pass. So yeah, a lot of people in America are afraid to travel internationally, but you realize that, you know, they might spend three grand on a Disneyland trip. And they could have spent that money and gone to an entirely different country, an entirely different experience, and much richer, deeper, more contemplative, philosophical experience. Because whenever you live in a country, you see how other people. You know, somebody's starting their car up. You got to figure out why that interference is coming in. 
Yeah, I think we're good now. Okay. Well, we should figure out why that's happening, though, because if your mic is rigged up, we should only hear your mic. That that car shouldn't be coming all the way over to your mic. Yeah. We'll get Nadav. Figure that out. Yeah, Nadav. Figure that out. All right. Sorry, Nadav. You're going to have to edit the podcast. We try to do them in one take, but stuff like that. Or we just leave it in. Who cares? Yeah. But uh, okay. A lot of it. So a lot of so we'll clip there, and then I'll just start right here. A lot of Americans they overestimate how much it costs to travel internationally. And in, in, in fairness, I would have too. A lot of people think, oh, I'll take my kids to Disney World or Disneyland, and the tickets are cheaper. But once you get there, it is a rat race. You're looking at you know these expensive resorts, and the food is rip off. The food's not even that good. Everything is very expensive. A lot of people. Uh, even budget travelers are people who would feel like international travel would be out of their, you know, like how I, will, I would always, I hear this a lot of times to people, they're like, I, I always want to travel like internationally. And then I'm just like, okay, well, it would probably to do it right if it's you and one other person and a couple kids, like you could probably do that for $3,000. Like, no way. Well, sure, you're not going to go to Paris and stay at the four star resorts, but you could go to Budapest is getting more expensive, but you could go somewhere like Bucharest, which, I've been everywhere, right? I've been to Paris. I've been to da 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 da, and I prefer Bucharest because it's less crowded. It's actually there's less uh, danger. There's a lot of shady people in Paris. There's a whole culture of pickpockets and everything else. Right. And if a person really did their homework, they could go to Bucharest. Very nice, memorable international vacation for like three thousand dollars. If again they planned ahead, you know, you got the tickets well in advance. You rented right. a car. You knew which places to stay. So you don't want to be in Tourist Central because it'll be overpriced. But again, that's about doing your homework. And most people don't realize that because London, you don't even want to go to, right? The stabbings and London's, I've been there twice. I have no intent to ever go back. No offense to my UK readers who are like 20% of the audience, but they'll t- they'll admit the same thing begrudgingly. Paris, oh, the Eiffel Tower is nice. The museums are great. But in America, we have beautiful museums too. People think you got to go to Paris to see art. We have it here. And they, they also, we didn't get to check them out, but Bucharest has museums too. So you go off that beaten path and you have all the benefits of an international trip to say London or Paris, but it's actually more beautiful. I'd rather go to Bucharest than New York. You know, New well, York- and I'll tell you, I, I looked at uh, Airbnb prices, which are, there, it's a, there's a pretty prolific amount of Airbnbs in Bucharest. And you could rent a 2000 square foot uh, three-bedroom, four-bedroom home right in, you know, the downtown Bucharest area, $70, $80, $90 a night. So for a family, you know, you're, you're staying there for a fraction. Now, even, and I and I even looked at, like, the, uh, there's a Hilton Hotel right in downtown, Old Town, Bucharest. It was, like, you know, $80 a night or something to stay at the Hilton. So, you know, very, you know, after you, after you do the uh, currency uh, conversion, but about $80, $90 a night. Uh, very affordable. That's actually a lot less than what you would pay, say, in Anaheim for the same hotel. So it's probably half the price, maybe more, uh, right. of what you would pay in, uh, you know, a Disneyland type area. Right. And at Disneyland, you're getting fleeced. Like the yeah. meat, everything. I just, I refuse to go back. And you, and you do, you get fleeced. But over there, you t- so you could take your kids. You got, okay, the tickets. You could get an Airbnb for like 400 bucks. And then you right. get a car drive into the mountains so you get the full experience of the mountains and that's relatively inexpensive there too. And you know, all in, you know, maybe 3,000, 3,500, but you can stay for a year, a year and a half. Um, even right. 
even on a modest income. And I do think that, you know, in some ways, as as a uh, American that, that hasn't tour, uh, toured around Europe, I, which I have not, you do have to let some things go. OK, if you go over there and you're expecting everything to be westernized, uh, we uh, we went up to the Transylvania Mountains for a couple nights. We stayed. I, the folks that we were with were gracious enough to get me a, a cabin on the side of the mountain. And I stayed in that cabin. It was beautiful. The view was beautiful. The furnishings were nice. It was, a, you know, a newer, newly remodeled uh, cabin. But it didn't have air conditioning. And that's just the way it is there. Like, they, you know, it just is not they just don't have it. So that's just kind of their thing. The food's a little different. You know, you might be getting like cold cuts and a, uh, you know, a poached egg for breakfast. And, you know, that's just the way it is. You're not going to get, you know, the American breakfast. It's just different. So you have to be open to those kind of experiences and, you know, shrug it or laugh it off. But if you're going to be the type that complains about, you know, these kind of things, you might not have as, as good of a trip as you could if you just let, let this stuff flow. Right. And those people are fortunately like not listening to me. I do a pretty good job of uh, the portions are smaller. Yeah, when you, people come over to America and they can't believe these continental buffets and everything going on and how huge and massive the portions are and people just pigging out. That right. is really the way. And if there's a little discomfort there, there's in Eastern Europe, there's more of a stoicism that you see that is permeating the culture. You just It's a little thing. You just don't complain about everything. Where in America, oh, gosh. Gosh, I can't. I've been waiting here. Like the pacing of the meals are different, and it isn't fast food if you go sit down to eat. But those are the people. So fortunately, you know, because I have two kinds of people, right? The people like that who don't complain because I'll just ban them, and then people who are doing like really well financially, or people, you know, they're they're living an aspirational life, but maybe where aren't they? Maybe they're not where they want to be. So, but they they know like, oh yeah, I could so I could save up. You know, if we saved up, we could do a, a, a real vacation and they can take it for me. I would rather go back to Bucharest than go to Paris. I don't have any intent ever go back to Paris. I don't have any intent to ever go back to London. If the, I pacing, uh, the pacing thing that you mentioned is interesting because in the morning, uh, the last morning I was there, I got up early and I was going to go grab, you know, like coffee and, and, you know, something to eat somewhere. The breakfast restaurants in Old Town Bucharest, they open at 9 a.m. They don't open at five or six. The Starbucks is closed at 8 a.m. Everybody there gets going. It's like, a, a, I, I don't know what it is. It's just the way that they roll, right? So you don't find anything open at 7 a.m. I mean, nothing is open at 7 a.m. So that, that pacing is a, is a little bit different for sure. You can order dinner though. Now on the flip side of this, you can go out to a really great steak dinner at a great steakhouse in Bucharest and get a reservation at 11.30 at night, no problem. Yeah, I got up, we were in um, a, an area that they do see a pretty good amount of tourism, not international, but a lot of people come up from, from all over. Sure. And I was up at two, like 6 a.m. walking around. I had to go to, even at 7 a.m., I go, well, surely places open up at seven. No, I had to use a portable espresso machine to get like a little espresso out of out of something because even at 8 a.m., nothing, nothing had opened up. And, for me, I've traveled enough that things like that are not even – you're just used to it, right? That's just right. the way – it isn't the 24-7. You have a McDonald's on every corner, and that's part of that's part of the charm of it. Right. And there is that old-world mentality, and you know, if you're hungry, you can wait a couple hours. You can walk around again, espresso, drink some water, you'll be fine. So what, what else before we wrap this up? Highlights of your first trip international, 
what you learned, what you liked, what you would change next time? I'll tell you, I, it certainly encouraged me to go and do it again. I, I wouldn't have the trepidation that I did this time around. It was fantastic. Uh, I, I'm still probably most surprised by the elements of the Soviet era inside this. It's, it's really pronounced when we traveled up into Transylvania. You'll you notice that most towns, if not all, have railroad stops in them, which you know is probably very European or, or very uh, Soviet, I don't know. But you'll have this beautiful village, gorgeous village with all these old houses and you know, Spanish tile roofs or red tile roofs or metal roofs and gorgeous architecture. And then just right plopped down at the base of the mountain is this disgusting old green glass, you know, a square manufacturing plant with stacks coming out of it and everything completely abandoned today. But just interesting how, you know, the Soviets would come in, they'd find this beautiful little spot right next to the railroad tracks and say, we're building a building right here. You're going to like it. And that's it. So there's remnants of that, which I actually find fascinating. Uh, but you can see where, you know, the Soviets were there, obviously no longer there. But, uh, you know, it uh, that part really shocked me, that piece of it. Yeah, the people um, are nice. But again, there there is that element of people in America think everyone's rude if they don't want to talk about your life for half an hour. Right. I, I like those more stoic cultures where just, OK, hi, welcome. Have a seat. Uh, yeah. These are taking care of it. Oh, how are you? Where are you from? Oh, how how long are you in town for? The Uber driver's not trying to chat you up. The you know the waiter isn't asking you fifty thousand questions about where you're from. You just sit there and, and everything goes well and everything's cool and they're not rude. But a lot of Americans aren't used to that. Like oh wow, these well, are so cold. The, the service restaurants, it, restaurants and bars do not have a tip line on their receipt. So tipping is just, I, I don't know if it's just not part of the culture there. I'm at this very nice restaurant that I had mentioned earlier, and I asked the waiter, I, I look at the wine list. Now, again, I live in Napa Valley, so I kind of know a little bit about wine. And I look at the wine list, it's all these Romanian wines. Great. Uh, which one of these two do you recommend? He looks at me and goes, I don't know, whichever one you want to drink. Right. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, okay, well, we're in a different world, aren't we? So I guess I said, well, I'll take the second one then, <laughs> you know. So this is at a very, very nice restaurant. But the, the service is just, it's a different culture, you know, than, than what you would get in America. It could be because of tipping, could just be a cultural thing. I don't know. But I thought it was funny. So you have to roll with that kind of stuff. It's, a, it's definitely a cultural thing. So yeah. they'll say, "Will you go get me a soda?" Of course, I mean, it's just yeah, obviously I will. But you have to get used to that because it seems like rude at first. Whereas in America, sure, by golly, and it's a different, it's a different vibe. And the Romanian yes. ones too, I thought they were a little, little too sweet for me. They were a little on the sweet side. Right. Yeah, and they just don't have the growing season, you know, like you do in uh, beautiful Napa Valley. Right. So. Right. right. Okay, well, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the trip very much, and I, I'm very much glad that uh, I was uh, pressured into going. So it was definitely worth it. So, oh, oh speaking, anyway. of travel, speaking of travel, we have an event coming up, right? We do. The event is October 3rd, and this one is in a really, really fun location. Not Bucharest, Las Vegas, Nevada. And yes. I've not been to Vegas in a very long time. So I'll come out for you guys and hang out there. I think we have a penthouse and cigar and open Q&A and who knows what else. 
Right, yeah, that'll be a great night. Again, cigars, drinks, we'll have a little bit of food around. Uh, there is a VIP experience where you actually get to play craps with Mike Cernovich. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. I didn't yeah. see, but I'll take it. Yes, so I will say that the tickets for this particular event have been selling quite well. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah, quite well. So if, if you're interested and can make it out on October 3rd, to Las Vegas, you want to be there. It is going to be a really, really great event. We do have a, a luxury penthouse. I believe it has like a swimming pool hanging over the edge on the balcony. The views will be incredible. It's a very limited deal. I think we're only doing about 40 tickets, so folks should come to that. And it's uh, piggybacked onto the Barrett Jackson Auto Auction. It's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday immediately following at the Mandalay Bay. So if folks are into cars or just want to see celebrities, um, you know, I'm gonna be there. I've got, I think, six floor tickets. So if folks want to contact me if they do buy a ticket to the event, uh, they can certainly tag along with me at the Barrett Jackson uh, auto auction. There's always, this particular auto auction is really, really popular with the celebrity crowd. I, I go most years. Uh, I mean, you see everybody from like Sheldon Adelstein. I think he's the third richest man in, in the world. Uh, he, sh he showed up a couple times that I've been there. There's always, a you know, like the Jay Leno's and, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's, those kind of people that are really into the cars. And they're down on the floor. So, I mean, if you want to see celebrities and see some really, really wicked uh, cars coming up for auction, it's a lot of fun. So our event is on a Thursday night, October 3rd, and then the auto auction is the 4th, 5th, and 6th. Anybody can sign up and go to the auto auction, but, you know, if you want to get the floor seats and stuff, uh, reach out. Perfect. See you in Las Vegas. Yes. Thanks, folks.